0: Good evening, hope y'all are doing well. Uh, We're continuing our study of the book of Ezra. And last week we looked together at Ezra chapter nine, where Ezra learned that the people, the exiles who had returned into the land of promise were very much uh, that they had given themselves to intermarriage Uh, They had mixed themselves with the peoples of the lands as we read in verse two. And Ezra writes, as soon as I heard this, I tore my garment and my cloak and pulled hair from my head and beard and sat appalled. And we saw how Ezra confess before the Lord the sin of the people that they disobeyed and disregarded God's holy word and his righteous law, that his design is that people of a like faith, Mary, a like faith in the living and true covenant God of the Bible. And he confesses the faithlessness of the people who have returned. He writes that he was ashamed. He blushed to lift his face to God and he cried out to God for mercy, reminding that God would be faithful to his covenant promise that as the people turned to him again, that he would turn towards them. This word turn is... The biblical word that's used for repentance, where we agree with God, we see ourselves and our circumstances and our sin as God sees it, and we are deeply moved by it. And he is shaken to the core. This isn't just an intellectual understanding that somehow he had disobeyed the word and law of his good and faithful God. Instead, he was deeply shaken to the core, crying out to God for his mercy and his grace and pleading with the people that they uh, would stop breaking his commandments in verse 14 of intermarrying with the peoples who practice a life lived apart from God, a life here described by the word abomination. It's quite a strong and moving passage. And so our passage tonight follows in the heels of Ezra himself as a leader, as a man of God, confessing the sin of the people Confessing his own need of God. And we find in our study tonight of Ezra 10 is that true prayer leads to a true change of life. And what I'd like for us in our few minutes together, uh, we'll look at this passage in two sections. Let me uh, read from God's word in Ezra Chapter 10. While Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel, for the people wept bitterly. And Shinnakiah, the son of Jehel, the sons of Elam, addressed Ezra, We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. But even now, there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Let us therefore make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord, and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. Arise, for it is your task and we are with you. Be strong and do it. Then Ezra arose and made the leading priests and Levites and all Israel take an oath that they would do as had been said. So they took the oath. And Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the chamber of Jehohanan, the son of Elisha, where he spent the night neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exiles. And a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem and all the returned exiles, and all the returned exiles, that they should assemble at Jerusalem and that if anyone did not come within three days by order of the officials and the elders, all his property should be forfeited and he himself banned from the congregation of the exiles. Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin assembled at Jerusalem within the three days. It was the ninth month on the 20th day of the month. And all the people sat in the open square before the house of God, trembling because of this matter and because of the heavy rain. And Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, you have broken faith and married foreign women and so increased the guilt of Israel now then make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. Then all the assembly answered with a loud voice, it is so. We must do as you have said. But the people are many and it is a time Of heavy rain, we cannot stand in the open, nor is this a task for one day or two, for we have greatly transgressed in this matter. Let our officials stand for the whole assembly. Let all in our cities who have taken foreign wives come at appointed times, and with them the elders and judges of every city, until the fierce wrath of our God over this matter is turned away from us. Only only Jonathan, the son of Ashbel and Azaziah, the son of Tychova opposed this and Meshullam and Shabathi the Levite supported them. Then the returned exiles did so. Ezra, the priest selected men heads of fathers' houses, according to their fathers' houses, each of them designated by name. On the first day of the tenth month, they sat down to examine the matter. And by the first day of the first month, they had come to the end of all the men who had married foreign women." There's a story that is told of a a little Scottish girl. She was a maid. Her name was Mary. And a missionary, an evangelist, came to the the home where she served. And uh, she was very poor, very young, very uneducated. She overheard a few words of this evangelist. And he, he noticed her interest. And on his way out, he asked her to pray that she might see her own sin. And over the course of time, she began to pray that she might be aware of her own sin. It was in a day where there were horses. And she uh, he told her to read her Bible. And... Uh, She was reading, actually, in the book of Romans, that verse that talks about sin and death, the consequences of of life lived apart from God and not trusting in our savior, Jesus Christ. And she heard the horse hoofs going back and forth. And God impressed upon her this truth, sin and death, sin and death. Sin and death and she became very broken over her own sin before a righteous holy god the evangelist came back to the house and spoke with the residents and some neighbors that gathered and spoke with her young mary about how she was doing with that question and she gave her response and mentioned the sound of the horses and her being reminded, sin and death, sin and death. So then he asked her to ask, to, for her to ask her a question that she might pray, that she might see Jesus, might know Jesus. So young Mary set herself to pray that she might know the savior. And she was reading further in the book of Romans. And she came to a passage that talked about life and peace that comes through faith in Jesus, faith in Christ alone. And again, she heard the horses. And what was once sin and death was now replaced with the refrain, life and peace, life and peace. It all begins with, began for her with her repentance, her confession, her acknowledgement of her need of God. And that is how God often brings renewal and revival to his people. Begins as we're honest with ourselves, honest before God with the reality of our spiritual desperate need. And that God is altogether holy, and we are not. And that is the sense here. Notice in this situation, as the exiles have returned in Ezra, that it began as a few leaders approached Ezra saying, There is a problem. The men, the men of Judah, have married foreign women who do not know or love the Lord the living and true God. We read that Ezra was broken to the heart. He, he tore his outer garments as an expression of the depth of, of grief and despair, misery over the sin. And then he even did something more drastic. He was pulling on his beard, on his hair, as an expression of his desperate repentance and need of the Lord. And, And then he prays. He cries out to God. That's what chapter nine is about. But the beginning of chapter 10, a great crowd gathers around him, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel. And we find that they too are weeping, weeping bitterly. There can be a weeping that is not a true repentance. There can be a sorrow of the consequences of sin or being caught for doing something that one should not. But what's depicted here is something much more than that. It seems to be more of that genuine godly sorrow. They weep weep bitterly. And one man from the crowd stands up and he, he proclaims the truth. We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. He acknowledges the truth. He confesses the sin. And it's interesting, his name is not listed in the study that we'll see next week, among those who are listed as marrying foreign women. Maybe some of his relatives are in that list, but his name is not found there. He acknowledges his sin, and the sin of the people particularly. He's repentant before God, but true repentance always leads to hope. And that is what we find here. For he says, we have broken faith with our God, have married foreign women from the peoples of the land, but even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. There is always hope where there is true repentance and brokenness over sin. No one is beyond the pale of, of restoration unless, they've, unless there's the unpardonable sin. But there, can be, there is tremendous hope and help for each and every one who stray from God. And I know some of you may have children that were raised in the church who have departed from their God. There's hope. There's a hope of repentance and there's a certain hope. We know that for all who have been given to Christ will come to him. And we can pray all the more uh, expectantly that God will bring everyone whom he has given to his son. And so with this hope, and this hope I think is also related to the covenant. If you look in the book of Deuteronomy, where it talks about if the people fail to walk with God and follow him, they'll experience God's displeasure. They'll live under his, his curse. That's what led them into their 70 years in Babylon. But that same passage also speaks of the hope, the blessing of those who turn to God and live in covenant fellowship and faith. In the true and living God. And perhaps this is what this man was thinking. The scriptures already revealed the truth that as we repent, as we return to God, that His mercy is great, that His mercy is greater than our sin as we truly acknowledge our sin and look to Him and cry out to Him. And so, with confidence, He provides great leadership saying, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God. This is a solemn vow to put away all these wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. This is an incredible thing. Those who are married perhaps know the, the close bond and intimacy of a marriage relationship and the affection there and for children. I'm sure it was incredibly difficult following the Lord in this matter, meant for them to live according to God's word and law. It meant something very drastic. As we look at it, perhaps many are shocked. But the command of God was that they must put away these wives and these children. And they must live faithful before the Lord. I'm sure it took much grace of God that they would be faithful to this truth And Ezra, this man spoke of he and those with him, of their loyalty and commitment to Ezra and to the leadership to see that this is carried out. And Ezra affirms that uh, with the leading priests and Levites that all Israel should take an oath that they will do so as they said they would. And so the people right then and there made a commitment, a solemn vow to God that they would reorder their lives according to his word, that they would live for his glory according to his truth instead of the dictates of the day in which they lived where intermarriage was very common among people of of pagans and those who did not know the Lord. And we find Ezra after this drawing aside. We find him at the beginning of the passage in public prayer, but with Ezra, he was the real deal. We find him in prayer before the Lord in private. He finds a little house of one of the priests. And what do we find him there doing? He's neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exiles. These are the exiles who returned to the land of promise, that they might live for the Lord, for his glory and praise, that they would take up the work of rebuilding the temple, the temple walls and the temple itself. So he is privately the same kind of man that he is Publicly. That is a true mark of genuine spiritual leadership. He is mourning over the faithlessness of the people. He loved God so very much and he loved them that he was deeply moved. When have you wept? Wept over sin. Wept over your own sin, not weeping as an emotional response, but a deep spiritual response to the majestic splendor of God in His righteous holiness, and how very far short we fall how that our lives are an offense against his righteous holiness, a stench even to his nostrils, as it were, on our own, apart from the great work of our savior. Well, So a proclamation is made that in three days, the exiles will assemble at Jerusalem and there's great consequences if they don't show up their property shall be forfeited they'll be banned from the congregation of the exiles failing to show up is to say i'm not part of this covenant community i'm not going to be a person living by faith i'm going to live my own life my own way apart from God, apart from His Word, apart from His will. So we find that within three days the men of Judah and Benjamin are there assembled, and the people sat in the square trembling, trembling because of of what would occur, trembling perhaps over their sin, trembling because of the heavy, heavy rain. And Ezra spoke the truth to them. He puts it very plainly. You have broken faith and married foreign women and increased the guilt of Israel. Make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. He's very direct very clear it doesn't take rocket science what it takes is genuine faith and repentance and ordering one's life according to the word of God separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives then all the assembly answered with one loud voice it is so We must do as you have said. Because of the reality of the heavy rain, because there were so, so many people that could not stand in the open, because it would take a period of time to legally go through the process of these families, of these marriages coming to an end, and the proper care and provision for the need of each and every family and family member, it's decided that it would take a period of time that elders and judges would be appointed in every city and that they would resolve to order their lives according to God's word with the confident expectation that the wrath, the displeasure of God we would be turned aside, turned away from them. And there were only a few. Three, four, four individuals out of this mass of Judah who refused. And they did exactly as Ezra, the priest, had instructed them. They selected men, the heads of fathers, according to the houses. They came on the first day of the month and they came and they fulfilled all that God had said. We learn in this passage that true prayer leads to genuine repentance. And we learn that repentance leads to to a holy life. You know, God has redeemed us, not only that we would escape the fires of hell, but that we might become more like Jesus, that we might be conformed to his image. He is deeply committed that each of us be changed and continually changing to become more like our savior, Jesus Christ, and our character. He is whittling away at those rough edges, those sins, habits, and patterns that need reformation and transformation, that we might be a people distinct from the world, that we might be a people set aside for the Lord and his purposes. That is at the heart of the word holy. I know some of you women, especially with Christmas time coming up, may have special dishes that you serve your Christmas meal on, special utensils that you will use. You'll take special care. They may be in a special cabinet or in special protective cases uh, for these utensils and dishes to be cared for. They are set aside for special use, not necessarily for everyday use. Well, God sets his people aside for his use and his purposes. While we are in this world, we're called not to be like this world. James puts it very well in James chapter 4, verse 4, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You know, we live in a world that is trying to squeeze us into its mold, And we are to be people who are transformed by God's word, that we are being more conformed to the mold. If I'll I'll say the the type of our savior, Jesus and his character. Uh, So may God give us grace uh, that we might be, that we might have tender hearts, that this isn't just an academic exercise of going through a study of what happened, uh, 2700 years ago or so maybe a little less than that but that that it might be real in each of our own lives and that God would use his word for his glory and for our our good so let's go to our God in prayer let's acknowledge our need of him Let's acknowledge that he's a God who does pardon. Isn't it marvelous that his mercy in Christ is altogether sufficient and able to cleanse us and forgive us from every sin and to transform us. So let's spend some time before the Lord, perhaps confessing our sin, our need of God, praising him for his righteous glory and holiness and mercy. So let's go together as one people to the Lord our God.